Okay, well, let's get to you know the story we've been closely uh, debunking uh, when few others are willing to do it, which is this claim that has been put out there that Hamas used sexual violence as a weapon in a systemic fashion on October 7th. Uh, and we pointed out the evidentiary flaws in this from the start, starting with Israeli police quietly admitting they have no physical or forensic evidence of a single rape uh, on October 7th, uh, starting with the fact that there are no purported uh, victims of sexual violence on October 7th who survived, who've offered direct te testimony. So the only testimony comes from these people who claim to be witnesses. But the problem there is, as we pointed out, their stories are both outlandish and full of contradictions with people changing their stories multiple times. Um, and one of the latest uh, blows to the narrative came when the sister of a woman named Gal Abdus, she was killed on October 7th, came out and accused the New York Times of manipulating their family and holding her up as a symbol of sexual violence on October 7th. And the New York Times story, which was widely shared, everyone took the, a lot of people took this to mean, finally, we have some definitive proof uh, of sexual violence. Um, but the sister comes out and says that actually there's no evidence. And she said this in an Instagram post. She said there's no evidence that Gal Abdush was raped. Uh, she pointed out that the timeline was, impos was impossible because they actually heard from Gal Abdush in a, in a, in a message. Uh, and about nine minutes later, she was killed. And when they heard from her, there was no mention at all of any rape or sexual violence. And so, as the sister said, would they have had time to do all these things to her, to rape her in a span of four minutes? It just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And the, and the sister also accused the New York Times of misleading the family because she says that when the Times came to her, uh, came to the family, they didn't tell them that they were doing a story about sexual violence and that they were going to call their sister, their daughter, a symbol, the symbol of sexual violence and claim that she was raped. So Miral Alter in a in this January 2nd Instagram comment that you see stated, and this is a quote, she was not raped. There was no proof there was rape. It was only a video. Alter also pointed out the timeline between the last message of her sister, uh, last message by her sister to her family and the time of her reported murder made it impossible for any rape to occur. How in four minutes were they also raped and burned? She also wrote, and this is a, a quote, the New York Times that came to us indicated that they wanted to do a story in memory of Gal and Nagi, her husband, and that's why we approved. If we knew that it was a headline like rape slaughter, we would never agree, never. So that's, I mean, that's devastating because Gal Abdush was exhibit A, the woman in the black dress at the top of the New York Times story. And so then this, you can look at look at the Instagram post here. You'll see uh, on the left is a propagandist, uh, an Israeli propagandist named uh, Yosef Haddad, really uh, sleazy Hasbarist, who is talking about the girl in the black dress based on the New York Times story. And that's when her sister decided to intervene and say, you can't do this. This isn't true. You, you are abusing the memory of my sister who was killed brutally and along with her husband. And look what the Times did. The Times put the family on the cover of the story. So this is the family yep. of Gal Abdush. Uh, her sisters are there. Interestingly, the Times doesn't name her sisters. Doesn't say their yeah. names. It doesn't really interview them very much. And 
you, you have to speculate what was going on there. Maybe that's just an innocent mistake. Or maybe the Times was aware that her sisters did not buy the rape claim and so that therefore didn't tell them, which we know they didn't do because the sisters say that, but and also didn't talk to them, didn't really interview them. They, they they quote them very briefly. It's really strange behavior. Of course, the main Times reporter on this, Jeffrey, what's his name, Gettleman? Yeah. Has not responded to any of this. Of course, he hasn't. Nor has he responded to all the other uh, holes in his story, including the fact that they rely on documented fabulous from the rescue group Zaka, as Max, as you reported at the Gray Zone. They were caught lying about so many other atrocity claims, including uh, confirming the story, the fake story about dozens of beheaded babies. Times doesn't mention that, nor do they mention the contradictions in the other witnesses. But the fact that, you know, the headline there, how Hamas weaponized sexual violence on October 7th, this is projection. It's the New York Times weaponizing sexual violence and the bodies of dead women to accuse Hamas with no evidence of sexual uh, violence. And the aim is clear to lend the Times imprint, its esteemed imprint in the eyes of many people, to the Israeli government as it carries out a mass murder campaign. Because this talking point that Hamas committed this unspeakable sexual violence that's been used by Israel to help justify its mass murder rampage. So that's what the Times is doing here and going along with this. And they're even willing to exploit a grieving family and a dead victim to do it. And it gets worse for the New York Times here because it's not just Gal Abdush's sister who has come out and contradicted the New York Times reporting um, and essentially condemned the New York Times. Uh, it's her brother-in-law, uh, Nisim Abdush, who is the brother of her husband who was killed. Her husband, who, by the way, appears to with very strong indications that he was with her at the time of her death. Um, which also would have made rape impossible. He was later killed. We'll get into the circumstances of that at another point because this, there's still a lot of mystery there. Um, I addressed Golub Dush's killing in my piece on October 7th, friendly fire casualties back in October. And it was clear then she wasn't raped. Uh, her killing, however, was terrible. Um, Gal Abdish's brother-in-law gave an interview on January 4th to Channel 13 about the New York Times article, and he denied that she had been raped. He also contradicted the New York Times, and he said it would have been impossible given that she was with her husband. And he also went after the international press and said, you know, they're, they're going to sensationalize this story. Uh, but in, you know, internally in Israel, we need to basically tell the truth uh, because if we're talking about this in Hebrew, um, the false claims of his sister-in-law's rape will do psychological damage, further psychological damage to her orphaned children. So he's basically telling the Israeli press, like, don't believe the New York Times, don't repeat their lies, but let them continue to say this to the world because we need the support of America. Um, I mean, and we, we even have the, the, the mother made some interesting statements too. Um, her name is Edi Bracha. Edi Bracha told the Israeli publication Ynet that the first time they heard that their, her daughter had ever been raped was from the New York Times and uh, that the New York Times tried to convince them that she had been raped, but the Israeli police had never done so before. So this is crazy. I mean, this is highly unusual and manipulative behavior by Jeffrey Gettleman and these other journalists to actually come to a bereaved family 
that's um, that's vulnerable, that's grieving, and to tell them their daughter was raped and that the New York Times has assembled all this evidence, and then to convince the sister that the story would be just about the memory of her sister and not about her being raped as a member, as part of all this, this, this gigantic, lurid narrative of mass rape on October 7th. Uh, this is essentially the psychological abuse of a, of an, of a bereaved family. And where are the colleagues of Jeffrey Gettleman to call this out? Does anyone at the New York Times have a problem with this? Think of what a scumbag move that is by Jeffrey Gettleman. Okay. So slimy. Goes to a, a grieving family, vulnerable, going through shock, um, and has the gall to tell them <laughs> something that Israeli police have no evidence for, and that is contradicted by all the available evidence that their daughter was raped before she was killed. Uh, and why does he feel the need to do that? Because he needs a narrative for his story. Uh, and the story is important because they, they put a lot of effort into this. They brag about how they it was a, a very long investigation, spoke to dozens of people. Uh, this is a really they said like 150 story. people were interviewed. Yeah. yeah what was yeah. it like? Did they go to like a, a mass wedding or something? Like, what? I mean, uh, and and it's obvious that and write such a crappy story. And and the signal was given when they brought out Hillary Clinton. When uh, Tony Blinken testified in the Senate, and you reported on this, Max, when he testified, parroted the lies of Zaka about atrocities, um, they needed this to give the public something that could justify Israel's mass, help help justify Israel's mass murder campaign in Gaza. Because first of all, not only does it help justify it, but it also serves the task of distracting from looking at the actual ongoing atrocities that Israel's committing. And we're playing into that in some ways by still talking about it. I mean... Really, these claims should have evidence. If you can't have evidence, it shouldn't even be discussed. But because there's so much deception going on, it's important for us to debunk it. But the purpose was to distract from the actual atrocities that Israel's committing, and the actual unspeakable atrocities that are ongoing that didn't just happen in one day on October 7th. And it, you know that doesn't mean there weren't atrocities by Hamas on October 7th, but October 7th is now uh, three, months, three months ago. And the atrocities are going on every single day with our support. And rather than stopping it, the Biden administration needs narratives like this to continue it. And Haaretz has published this piece. Uh, let's pull this up. This is great. It's not actually great. It's horrible. But th they publish a piece attacking me by name. Um, and the piece argues that you're a conspiracist for saying what you just said, Aaron, which is so blatantly obvious that this propaganda was deployed to maintain faltering consent and support, international support for Israel's genocidal military operation in Gaza, especially among progressives in the U.S. who support Joe Biden. It's so obvious that's why they're doing this. It's not like they're just doing it to seek justice and because they're investigators. Here's the piece. You won't free Palestine by denying Hamas raped Israelis. Okay, first of all, no one thought that. Like, well, this will free Palestine. <laughs> uh you won't, you won't, uh, but, but I mean, you know, alternatively, you won't keep Palestine occupied by lying about it because we are going to debunk it and we're going to have the last word. And that's what you don't like. That's why you're doing this. You don't actually care about what happened on October 7th or these people. You care about maintaining your privilege in an apartheid system as a member of Israel's Ashkenazi elite, whoever the author of this Haaretz piece is. 
And so, you know, they attack me. They call everyone a conspiracist for drawing the obvious conclusions about why this is happening. The people who could excuse Hamas of being murdered but draw the line at them being rapists are already convinced. Journalist Max Blumenthal of the Gray Zone has been vociferously trying to discount witness statements. I think I've been like vociferously discounting them effectively. Um, and then they, you know, the, the author fabricates this quote by me, this person who witnessed the most traumatic thing a human can experience was slow to share the full details of that living nightmare is a key talking point that, but that's a quote by me. I never said that Brianna Joy Gray, the former Bernie Sanders press secretary who's denied Hamas's atrocities, no quote by her doing that, is trying to find someone to, quote, debate against Blumenthal about whether this sexual violence occurred. Surprisingly, she has not had any takers. Um, it should be unsurprisingly, first of all. But second of all, she's had not had any takers because nobody, because Zionist propagandists fear having their lies interrogated in public as we just saw with this Washington Post reporter who wants to write a slimy hit piece on us. No well, one's going to... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to look at another article from Haaretz, which yeah. uh, acknowledges what we've been saying from the start. There's Haaretz no versus Haaretz. Yeah, there's no evidence to back up these claims. Uh, this is from the Hebrew version of Haaretz, so it's translated by machine. It says the police are having difficulty locating victims of sexual assault or witnesses to acts from the Hamas attack and are unable to connect the existing evidence with the victims described in it. Now, three months after the massacre, the organization decided to turn to the public to encourage those who have information on the matter to come and testify. So what does that mean? First of all, there's witness claims of things like three severed heads of a woman having her breast cut off with a box cutter. And Israeli police are admitting there is zero physical evidence to back up any of this. Even though they have all the bodies, there's no evidence so far to back any of that up. And so, and also this article says that the people who they claim suffered sexual violence are not willing to testify, um, which is odd. Um, but they're therefore asking the public to come up with any more information, which basically is an appeal for people to come forward and help Israel make this case that is not there because there is no evidence for it. And this is from now the um, this is from the English language version of that article. This is what it says: In the few cases where police have already amassed testimony about the sexual assault Hamas committed during its massacre in southern Israel, they haven't yet been able to identify the specific victims of the acts to which witnesses have testified. And yes, because we've heard outlandish testimony about a woman's breast being cut off with a box cutter and then uh, Hamas militants playing with it uh, and also being stabbed repeatedly in the back while she was raped. We've heard about three severed, uh, the same woman claiming she saw three severed heads. Um, another man claiming that he saw uh, someone's head being, uh, someone being decapitated and the head rolling in front of him. There's no evidence for any of this. And so this is Israel admitting that they have zero physical evidence to back up these claims. Well, they also identify the key witness as S, who is yes. identified in the New York Times article as a 24-year-old accountant who only goes by Sapir, who is a key witness for the Israeli police. And they say, while the police believe her, they can't find yeah. any evidence to back up her claims in the Haaretz article. Exactly. So, and she's the key witness uh, identified in the 
Jeffrey Gettleman article. Yeah. And what Israeli police are saying is that they have no evidence for any of this. Um, and I mean, this is this is a major, you know, murder investigation yeah. where there is evidence. So it's not just the case of believe Israeli women. We're not going to do that when someone says they saw three women get decapitated, the heads being displayed, and then the Israeli police like, can't find one decapitated person. Yeah. And then so how did Jeffrey Gettleman handle that? Because Jeffrey Gettleman is obviously aware of the absence of any forensic evidence. So what does he do in his article? He says that evidence was accidentally destroyed by the rescue workers and that they they part of the reason why there wasn't any forensic evidence collected is because of Jewish burial traditions in which after someone passes away, you're supposed to bury them quickly. So because of that, Gettleman says, there was no physical evidence collected. That, of course, would not rule out conducting autopsies, exhuming the bodies, uh, which happens. But does Jeffrey Gettleman mean to say that inside Israel, there's never been a murder investigation relying on forensic evidence because of Jewish burial rituals? Did he think that one through? It's such a complete joke. And the and I think what he's trying to do there, and you pointed this out, Max, is saying that uh, if you question, if you ask for forensic evidence, then you're being anti-Semitic by basically not taking into account the sanctity of Jewish burial rituals. It's such yeah. a complete farce. Yeah, then there's a big photo of uh, Yossi Landau, the Southern commander of Zaka, the supposed rescue rescue organization, the guy who confirmed the beheaded baby story, who said a, saw he saw a fetus cut out of a pregnant woman. He, he it, The caption of the photo is him lamenting that he didn't take any photographs and saying, I really regret not having any photos. It's like their photos, everyone's snapping photos everywhere they go, taking selfies and you had the ability to show the world that Hamas was ISIS and you just didn't, you passed up the opportunity and then you went and lied. You just went and lied. That's what happened. So uh, it's pretty clear that Jeffrey Gettleman and the New York Times man manipulated a bereaved family and failed to vet their sources who have been shown to be discredited and unreliable and having changed their stories again and again. And it's also clear that the New York Times editors are protecting their staff from scrutiny of one of the most invidious pieces of journalistic malpractice since Judith Miller and WMD. Since the Washington Post reported repeatedly on Libyan soldiers being given Viagra to carry out mass rape, a regime change deception that helped drive the destabilization of Libya and entire swaths of Africa. I mean, yeah. the U.S. media is is complicit in genocide. They're complicit in consolidating political support for genocide with these reports. Well, that's a good segue to someone else. Well, who's I don't want to segue yet. I want to point out one more thing really quickly because there's a reference in that Haaretz piece to Brianna Joy Gray hosting me and trying to find someone to debate me. No one would debate me. It's on the Hill now. I don't know. I think it's still there. We had an interview yesterday about this. <coughs> Excuse me. I broke it down. And ahead of our interview, there was a Zionist freakout. And a staffer at the Gold Institute, founded by Dory Gold, former advisor to Netanyahu, uh, someone who said he's consulted for Marco Rubio and the Trump campaign, Matthew Brodsky, called for Brianna to be assassinated, and it seems like he's calling for her to be sexually assaulted. 
so this is this is what we're up against. These are people who I mean, my DMs are filled with this kind of stuff now. These are this is the violent, psychotic mind of modern Zionism. Cooking up rape fantasies. Has he deleted this? He was suspended. <coughs> Sorry, I need to take a uh, coughing break and I'll be right back for the next right. segment. Well, while you do that, we're going to look at Jake Tapper. Uh, and I'm going to ask Max to talk about the guy he's witnessing because one of the witnesses, the purported witnesses who claims they witnessed rape on sexual uh, on October 7th is a guy named Roz Cohen. And as Max has pointed out, there's a lot of problems with his story. But here's Jake Tapper taking him seriously and giving him an interview. This is his 24-year-old Roz Cohane, who attended the Nova Festival with his friends, and he survived. Um, Roz, I know none of this is easy to talk about, but it's important that the world hear from witnesses. While you were hiding out that day, hiding from Hamas, uh, you saw five men, five of these terrorists, pulling a young woman out of a van. Tell, tell us what you saw next. I hide in the bush. And uh, 30 meters from the bush, I saw a, a white van that arrived uh, near the bush. And uh, from the van, uh, uh, five guys, five uh, uh, civilians from uh, Gaza, normal civilians, not uh, soldiers uh, from Nukhba's uh, soldiers. It was... Uh, <clears throat> regular uh, people from Gaza with uh, normal clothes and uh, they uh, started to pull their clothes off. Uh, it, was, it was like a half a circle and uh, the girl was in the middle of the circle and uh, after they pulled the clothes uh, off uh, of the girl uh, they started to one one of them started to to rape her and uh, it was something like a 30 30 seconds and uh, all right so you get the picture and now Roz Cohen uh, which Jake Tapper did not mention he's a Israeli special forces veteran and a mercenary who has worked in Africa uh, to do the kinds of work that mercenaries do in Africa, which you know I'm assuming uh, is not very ethical, to put it mildly. That's Roz Cohen. Max, if you missed it, we're, we're talking about Roz Cohen, who Jake Tapper just gave a friendly interview to. Yeah. So just going through some of the problems with Roz Cohen, here he is taking a selfie from October 7th. This is the just, riverbed he was hiding in. Yeah. Just where as he, he claimed to have witnessed a gang rape. Yeah. So he claims. So you know maybe. <clears throat> This selfie comes before he witnesses the gang rape, but this is at the same time that he claims all this was happening. He's taking a smiling selfie. Uh, and um, this is a thread from uh, Victims of Capitalism Memorial Foundation. Raz's friend, Shoam Guetta, is the only other source the New York Times has as an eyewitness using their real names. But his account of the day doesn't include a single mention of witnessing rape despite having recorded video in the stream bed. Um, and what there's plenty of for both of them is self-promotion following October 7th, including a t-shirt 
uh, from Shoam's fashion label, in which in which just eighteen percent of the proceeds will be donated to victims. Um, and there it is. And I think Ross Cohen is also taking part in a fashion show since October seventh. And you know, as you Truly pointed bizarre out, fashion show. Yeah, and as you pointed out, Ross Cohen's story has changed multiple times. So, for example, we don't have to show this, but. Uh, this is for another, from another thread that he gave an interview on October 9th, this one here with Israeli television. We hear, we heard all the, the rockets. He doesn't mention sexual violence a single time in this interview on October 9th, not once. So all of a sudden he claims to witness this horrific rape. He can't remember it all of a sudden on October 9th. So that's one example of how his story has just changed. This this October 7th fashion show in which it, like survivors are trying to profit and gain fame from this horrific event is so bizarre and revealing and so trashy, honestly. And uh, it was held in Jaffa, an ethnically cleansed, still, you know, an ethnically cleansed city that still has a substantial Palestinian population. It looks like it was held in an Arab home or some kind of ethnically cleansed Arab theater south of Tel Aviv. Just look at this. And this is what Roz Cohen participated in. She's wearing a dress of bullets. And the fashion show is heavily sexualized. Incorporating... Death, children, sex, biblical figures. He's dressed as Moses. That's Roz Cohen right there. As Moses. The tablets. And that does look like an ethnically cleansed Arab home or theater. This is a woman simulating. What was how demonic was that? What is this? Just a bloody child, and the Israeli soldier is rescuing them, but the Israeli soldier is simultaneously killing children in Gaza. There's some very demonic vibes here. So some uh, colonial atrocity couture there. It, it's truly bizarre. This, I mean, this is one of the uh, participants in the fashion show who was attempting to invoke, this is someone who attended the Nova Electronic Music Festival, kind of uh, someone who is seeking to invoke the sense that mass rape occurred with her dress in this highly sexualized presentation. I mean, I think it, there needs to be, uh, you know, a critical theory academic should write an essay on this. If I had like months, I could write an essay on this whole, the whole psyche that's being exposed here, but I don't have time. Anyway, what we get in U.S. media is Jake Tapper just basically spitting lies that were already recycled from the New York Times.